The chances of DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett being traded before the 2022 NFL Draft look pretty slim to none, but it's been a crazy offseason for the Seahawks. What would other teams be willing to give up for their top two wide receivers? We'll be hearing from several other Locked On NFL podcast hosts on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Happy Wednesday to all of our listeners Got a jam-packed episode coming your way. Before we get to it, make sure to check out our latest contest on our Twitter handle, Locked underscore Seahawks. We're handing out a Quandre Diggs number six uniform. Pretty easy to enter. Just got to retweet the tweet. Make sure you're following us and comment with your choice for who Seattle is going to make their first selection in this month's draft. So make sure to check out again. That's on our Twitter account, Locked underscore Seahawks. It's not necessarily a subject that fans want to talk about, but this has been an offseason of change for the Seahawks. What would it take to get DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett moved to another team? We'll be hearing some proposals from a few other Locked On podcast hosts, and we're going to be looking at the safety position for the 2022 NFL Draft class. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. It's been an offseason of change for the Seahawks. The most notable move, trading Russell Wilson, to the Denver Broncos, getting a couple first-round picks, a couple second-round picks, a fifth-rounder, and, of course, three veteran players back in return. One of those players was Drew Locke, who right now would be the starter if the Seahawks had a game coming up this weekend. But ever since Russell Wilson got traded, there have been rumors persistently circulating out there about Baker Mayfield being his eventual successor. And with Deshaun Watson now in Cleveland – Kind of a holding pattern for Mayfield. He's been quiet the last couple of weeks. Today, though, on the You Never Know podcast, he finally broke his silence and had a lot to say. He was talking about the disrespect he felt from the Browns organization. They said earlier in the offseason he was going to be the guy in 2022 and then turned around and traded for Watson and gave him a fully guaranteed deal. So now he's demanded to trade reportedly. He's kind of waiting in the wings to see what's going to happen. And he did drop the tidbit today when asked, where he was going to play in 2022, he thought that Seattle was the most likely option. So it sounded to me, Rob, like Baker Mayfield was kind of playing the role of fisherman a little bit here, trying to get John Schneider to bite the bait a little bit. Hey, I'm out here. Come get me. And, and he's a pretty big fish. Let's be clear about that. Uh, just to kind of, kind of, you know, follow up with that analogy here. You're talking about the number one overall selection, uh, a former Heisman Trophy winner, a guy who has won in the NFL, obviously with the Cleveland Browns, and and, and played in a system in Cleveland that is very similar to what Pete Carroll wants to do here in Seattle, as far as it being a heavy run team with a great defense, and you know. Who are, who are the wide receivers in Cleveland? Can they match up with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? You know, with all due respect to Jarvis Landry and previously Odell Beckham and you know some of the other pass catchers that they have on that club, this would be an upgrade 
uh, for Baker Mayfield. So I think that this is a legitimate conversation and one that Seahawks fans have to be paying a little bit of attention to because I'm not going to say that uh, I know any of the Seahawks scouts who were super, super high on Baker Mayfield, but I know some other scouts that were very, very high on Baker Mayfield and I myself being one of them. I was skeptical of Baker Mayfield. Um, and this is a guy who was, uh, you know, he was a walk on a Texas Tech before he had his incredible success at Oklahoma. Um, but when I walked into the Senior Bowl a few years ago, Corbin, and watched Baker Mayfield compete and saw the velocity, saw the mobility for my own eyes, I, I was really intrigued. And now I'm not suggesting that Seattle should invest a first round, second round, third round, any type of early round selection in a trade for him. I think that you have to kind of hold off a little bit. I think the Cleveland Browns financially are a little bit stuck here. They they made that big move for Deshaun Watson, disrespected Baker Mayfield to use the words that he used there. Um, but now they're kind of stuck and they're going to have to either trade him or release him. And considering what Seattle has at the position, considering the age of Pete Carroll, considering that Baker Mayfield's a pretty darn good quarterback. He may not be upper echelon, top 10 kind of quarterback in the NFL, but he is a legitimate starting quarterback. And I think that there's plenty of critics out there who would suggest that Drew Locke is not that, then maybe Baker Mayfield would be a good fit. And the fact that he mentioned Seattle by name in the conversation that you just referenced suggests that he would be very much willing to consider that move to Seattle. And that is something to consider as well. So again, I think that this is something that we need to be exploring a little bit as we move forward. Yeah. I think that this is something that could absolutely happen, but my big takeaway at this point really hasn't changed for the last couple of weeks. The people that I've talked to, the Seahawks have not been overly aggressive when it comes to reaching out and inquiring about Mayfield because he's due almost $19 million in fully guaranteed money. The Browns picked up his fifth-year option. And so, again, that's fully guaranteed. There isn't a team in the league right now. The Browns have no leverage, and they put themselves in this position because when they traded for Deshaun Watson, and obviously they feel like they got an upgrade in the quarterback position, but making that trade, we already saw the unofficial goodbye from Baker Mayfield on social media. I mean, he knew the writing was on the wall. And so the Browns have literally no leverage here. There's not a team out there. I mean, John Schneider's not stupid. He's not going to be like, oh, hey, take a second round pick and we'll eat that $18.5 million salary. No, they can't fit that under their salary cap right now anyway. And so this is not going to be something that happens anytime in the very near future. I'm expecting that Baker Mayfield is going to have a landing spot after the draft. I would be stunned if he's playing for another team or another team's roster before then, because we get to see how that plays out. Now, if the Seahawks don't use a high draft pick on one of these quarterbacks, one of these top five guys that we've talked about so regularly here on the podcast, like your Malik Willis's or Kenny Pickett's or Matt Corral's, if they don't draft one of those players, then absolutely they could revisit the idea of trading with the Cleveland Browns. And I'm pretty sure John Schneider would say, hey, we'll give you a day three pick for him, but you need to eat a big chunk of the salary because we are not taking that fully guaranteed money. We'll take a little bit of it, but we are not going to take that entire salary. I think that's the only way the Browns are going to be able to move him. And if they end up in that position where they're willing to do that, they end up saving more money that way than if they cut him outright. If they're willing to do that, there's a chance that this could still potentially happen. If they cut him outright, then the Seahawks absolutely will be a player to go in and try to sign him at a fair one-year deal. 
bring him into compete against Drew Locke. If they have a rookie quarterback, maybe it's less likely. But I think Pete Carroll is going to want as many good quarterbacks as he can to compete against once against one another to replace Russell Wilson. So this is just it's like Baker Mayfield today said. Everything is out of his control for the most part. He knows that. He's going to have to just sit and wait patiently until after the draft and see which teams picked quarterbacks, which teams still have openings potentially. Seattle could be that team. At this point, though, he may be wishing for that. I don't know that it's going to happen. We're just going to have to see how the draft plays out. That's going to answer a lot of these questions, and we'll know whether or not this is really a viable landing spot for Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I think that it is. Uh, it, it would be surprising if Baker Mayfield is moved prior to the draft because NFL teams realize that the Cleveland's kind of paid themselves into a little bit of a corner here. Um, and, and so for any team to be willing to give up a 2022 draft pick and absorb that type of salary um, is pretty unlikely. Maybe if Cleveland is willing to accept a bunch of that, then, then maybe you can have a conversation. But even still, I think you're talking about day three trade at best because again Cleveland has put themselves in in that position but you you said one of the things I think is really interesting that we have to kind of expand upon a little bit is it, just this idea that uh you know that the, the Pete Carroll is going to want quarterbacks who are going to be hungry or going to be angry are, are going to want to prove themselves and that of course is Drew Locke but I think that it also could be Baker Mayfield if you do draft a quarterback Let's say you draft Desmond Ritter in the first round. Let's say you draft you know, Sam Howell in the second round. Whatever the case might be, that doesn't necessarily preclude you from selecting or from making a move to get Baker Mayfield, especially if he is available for a late day three selection or as a free agent at that point. I think that Pete Carroll and John Schneider are, are certainly going to want to have any and, and all of the best quarterbacks they possibly can get and if Seattle was that interested in Jacob Eason then I don't know that they necessarily would be drafting a quarterback as early as a lot of us seem to think that they might be considering I don't think that they would be in that Baker Mayfield conversation so to me this is all about is Jacob Eason in Seattle's long-term plans is Geno Smith in Seattle's long-term plans and if not and we've seen at least a little bit from both of them would suggest that they are not necessarily Super Bowl contending type of quarterbacks, but perhaps Drew Locke is, perhaps Baker Mayfield is, perhaps one of these rookie quarterbacks is. And that's one of the things is I think that the Seahawks are very much going to try to focus in on which of these quarterbacks. There are some candidates out there. Who of them is going to be able to allow Seattle to compete as quickly as possible? Yeah, it's the always compete philosophy that Pete Carroll lives and swears by. It's tougher to do that at the quarterback position because you got to balance that. You want to make sure that two or three guys are getting enough reps that you can really have a true evaluation in training camp and during your offseason work. And so that's something to consider. You don't want to have too many quarterbacks, but you're, you're coming off of Russell Wilson into a new era. You want to make sure that you get the best QB you can, and the best way to do that is to have him compete. So I would not rule out the possibility Mayfield will come to Seattle. There's just a lot of dominoes that need to fall first before that potential move is going to happen, whether via trade or coming off of the free agent wire. Speaking of trades, not necessarily a topic that fans have been excited about talking about, but John Schneider always is answering his phone, always is always willing to listen to calls. So that's what we did here on Locked on Seahawks. We're going to field some calls 
from a few of our other Locked On podcast hosts on what they would give up for Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. We'll get to that here in a moment. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Ray's insane protection program. Shady Ray's includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America. When you shop with Shady Rays exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com and use the code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's locked on for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. It's Wednesday. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got a really exciting program coming up for the draft on Thursday, April 28th. Make sure to tune in to Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage of the draft. Three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, make sure to check out Odyssey and Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special hosted by Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show all week leading up to the first selection will be available on all major podcast platforms, so make sure to check it out. All right, it's been an offseason that has been unlike any other in Seahawks history. I think you can really say this has been the most seismic offseason for the Seahawks when you consider the players that they let go, trading Russell Wilson, releasing Bobby Wagner. They've let some big stars go in the past, but you're talking arguably the two biggest names in franchise history, and they were let go on the same day. And so this is a new era for the Seahawks. And with that, there have been rumors out there about Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Could they potentially be available? Is this going to turn into a fire sale for the Seahawks? And the most recent rumors out there are suggesting that neither one of them is going to get moved. And I think you and I would agree, Rob, that the Seahawks, if they're in win-now mode, which Pete Carroll seemed to think they still are, you aren't going to trade any more of your really valuable assets. But John Schneider is always listening. He's always fielding calls. And if the right offer is there, you know that he's at least going to listen to it. He has to listen to it. I mean, I have pretty good sunglasses, Corbin, but I just heard your pitch for Shady Rays, and I'm like, hey, suddenly I'm interested in a couple of sunglasses for 50% off. Oh, my goodness. If somebody is going to give John Schneider multiple first-round picks for DK Metcalf or multiple selections in this yet another wide receiver rich NFL draft, then how do you not at least consider that? especially when you do have a little bit of a question mark at the quarterback position. How valuable can Tyler Lockett or dealer DK Metcalf, excuse me, be if you have questions at the quarterback position? If this truly is a fire sale, if this truly is a rebuild, then you have to get rid of some of those aging assets or a guy like DK Metcalf, who is certainly not an older player, just 24 years old currently, but still, he is going to give you so many draft picks that you have to consider, especially given how much money he is likely to be signing for here soon. So, yeah, I think that this is a case where the Seahawks have to be picking up every single phone call 
I think that's what's going to have fun about our segment here. We're going to be picking up a few phone calls as well. Yeah, I can't speak for you on this, but I can't tell you how many of our other locked on hosts who all do an outstanding job for our network. I can't tell you how many of them over the last month have been persistently bothering me with trade offers for Tyler Lockett and or DK Metcalf or just messaging me, hey, do you think it's possible they might be available? And I'm going to stick with what I've been saying for the last month that I am, you know, I really doubt that this is going to happen. I don't think Metcalf's going to get moved. I don't think Lockett's going to get moved. But again, Russell Wilson, nobody really believed that he was going to be traded. And look, now he's a Denver Bronco. So crazy things happen. This offseason has proved that anything can happen in the NFL, especially for a team like the Seahawks that's kind of in the midst of, as I said, one of the biggest transitions they've had, if not the biggest transition they've had from one year to the next. A new, It's a new era for the franchise. So let's, without further ado, let's go to a few offers that we got from our host with the Saints, Ross Jackson, as well as Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers and Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars. All three of those hosts do an outstanding job, and they just happened to send us some video proposals for what they would give up to acquire one or both of Seattle's wide receivers. Hey, Corbin and Rob Ross Jackson here, Locked On at Saints Podcast. Locked On Saints ready to make an offer, not for DK Metcalf, but instead for Tyler Lockett. Yes, DK Metcalf is one of the top premier talents at wide receiver in the league, but not the mold of receiver that I'm looking for, which Tyler Lockett actually fills a bit more, which is the guy that can operate opposite Michael Thomas and his long-awaited return in 2022. So in order to get that done and to help facilitate this trade, I would like to offer or sort of build a trade around the centerpiece of the Saints' second-round pick this year, which is pick 40 top 50 selection and then pick 120 their fourth round selection as well so a second and a fourth for the speedy veteran wide receiver that can come in and compliment michael thomas what do you guys say uh, i i would think on that particular one rob i'm not giving tyler lockett or dk metcalf up unless i'm getting a first rounder that's just my opinion i think i have to get a first round pick back for either one of those players yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett is an aging player. A second and a fourth is is not nothing. I mean, that, that's a legitimate offer here. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so I, I think that we have to consider that and just think about the different possibilities that Seattle would have. You have number forty. You have number forty-one. You have number forty-nine. I mean, that's that's some. You want to trade there. up to get back in the first round to get another player too? The ammo that you have, I, it, I, I can see the arguments. Yeah, exactly. It's exciting. I, I would agree with you. However, I, I do think that it's unlikely that Seattle is going to be trading DK Metcalf. He's just so young. He's just such a, you know, still that you, you still feel like he has untapped potential. And then Tyler Lockett, I mean, my goodness, I mean, he might just be Mr. Seahawk at this point. Um, you know, so I, I would have to pass on this offer. But it is something that I would be considering. I would be having that conversation uh, just because, again, I think that it fits in with the mentality if you are truly doing a rebuild. And I do love this wide receiver class. And I think the Seahawks do as well. That's something we'll be kind of talking about over the next couple of days also. Let's see what Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers has to offer here. So DK Metcalf on the block, huh? Well, Locked on Packers is prepared to make an offer. I don't know that I would lead with my best offer, but at least one of the first round picks, 22 or 28, my preference would be 28, of course, and 92. So that is the official offer, 28 and 92 
for DK Metcalf. Best and final. We're doing it like the housing market right now. You got to come in strong with your best and final. Obviously, the Packers need a true number one receiver. They are going to pay him, I guess. They don't really have a lot of other choices. And they can't give up more than they got for Devontae Adams just from a PR standpoint. They can't do that. So this is as good as it's going to get from the Packers. And we hope that John Schneider gives us the friends and family discount. <laughs> for our listeners that don't know, John Schneider worked for the Packers before he came back to Seattle as the general manager. So that's where that comment comes in. These two teams have made a lot of trades during draft weekend since John Schneider arrived for that very reason. This would still maybe not be enough for me to consider. I would ask for 22 and not 28. That is a big gap in the first round. It would have to be 22 and 92. And I know from a PR standpoint, you know, we gave up or we got this for Devontae Adams. I would probably be asking for at least another day three selection on top of that if I truly believe that I had to move DK Metcalf. But I think that this is one that I would at least consider more than the offer for Lockett because it does have the first rounder and we got another third round pick thrown in there as well. Yeah. And that's the thing is that uh, we were having a conversation about a first and a third round selection previously, a second and a fourth. Um, you know, again, you're talking about a, a younger dynamic talent in uh, DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett's a really good football player as well. I just, how do you protect the young quarterback, whether it be Drew Locke or anybody else, if, if you don't have dynamic wide receiver talent, that's exactly why the Green Bay Packers are hoping for that family discount, friends and family <laughs> discount, is because they want to be able to protect their MVP quarterback and Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, right now is, is going to be throwing to who knows what at the wide receiver position, because not only did they trade away Devontae Adams, but they also lost Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there, maybe even a Seahawks general manager out there who previously was with the Green Bay Packers, as was just kind of alluded to, that might kind of like the idea of watching Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers kind of struggle a little bit at the wide receiver position. So I, to me, the Green Bay Packers, even though I think this is a very, very fair offer, I don't know that you can stand trading one of your top receivers to the Green Bay Packers. It's kind of like watching Bobby Wagner play for the Los Angeles Rams. It's just and in this case, you'd be trading him. You'd be, tra yeah. you'd be voluntarily giving him to the Packers. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I would have to kind of pass on this. To me, the Green Bay Packers might be one of those teams that you just cannot trade one of your superstars to that franchise just because of the history between Green Bay and Seattle. A very fair offer, however. Let's check out our last one here. Last but not least, Tony Wiggins, one of our favorite hosts here on the network for Locked on Jaguars. And I'm pretty sure I know which player that he wants because he's been bombarding my mailbox for the last month about this particular player. Hi, this is Tony Wiggins with Locked on Jaguars. I want to make a trade proposal to the Seattle Seahawks for DK Metcalf. I can't give you a first this year or next year, but I do have the 33rd overall pick this year, the 65th overall pick this year, and the 70th pick this year. I'll give you all three. How about a second and two-thirds for DK Metcalf? That gives you three of the top 11 picks in the second round. What you say, Corbin? 
<laughs> you know, if I was going to accept an offer that didn't have a first-round pick in it, getting it from a team like the Jaguars that you know, because they've been terrible, they have some really high picks in every round. And getting three picks, they would end up having the Seahawks would have five picks in the second and third round to go with their high first rounder. I mean, you could do some real damage in the draft this year. The depth and the talent there is with that much draft capital. I still would be, I would not be trading him without getting a first round pick, but I would actually, I might consider that one over the one from the Packers just because that is a lot of day two ammo. It is a lot of day two ammo. And of course, uh, DK Metcalf would be traded to the AFC division. And so you're not likely to be facing him unless, you know, maybe every four years, one regular season matchup. And perhaps if the Jacksonville Jaguars and and Seattle Seahawks met in a a Super Bowl. So to me, that's one of the things that I would be intrigued by. I, I absolutely believe that was part of the reason why Seattle was a little bit more willing to listen to Russell Wilson's, uh, you know, demands, I guess we should say, um, and, and going to the, another AFC team in the Denver Broncos. is that It's just a little bit more palatable when you can trade a superstar player to a whole other conference. I, I'd have to consider this. I would be having some conversations very, very seriously about this particular offer. I think that it is the best of the three offers. I would agree with you. I think just that that draft capital that you are getting on day two, again, you'd have five picks in the second and third round with your first rounder at number nine. Again, you could do a ton of damage, and you could really rebuild your roster quick with young talent on both sides of the football. That being said, I still don't think either one of these players is getting moved, and if it is going to happen, I would actually hedge bets that Tyler Lockett gets moved after the draft when you can maybe do a post-June 1st designation. And so that would be the only way that I would really see either one of these guys get moved. I just don't see any way that DK Metcalf can trade with his age and how popular he is, him being the next expected leader potentially of this team, and he wants to be here. So I'm not seeing it. But nonetheless, our Locked On host dishing out some really good proposals to see if they could get us to bite, and, and we'll see. Anything can happen has been proven this offseason. If you're like me and you're struggling here in mid-April to stick with your New Year's resolution, you need to turn to Built Bar delicious 100% chocolate, incredible flavors, and they've got Built Bar Puffs, which are personally my favorite, protein-infused marshmallows. It's a marshmallow on steroids, and they come in amazing flavors. My personal favorite, banana cream pie. I'll eat two or three of them in one sitting, no problem. It's the perfect pre-workout snack, post-workout snack, or if you just have a sweet tooth, and it's under 200 calories. They've also got incredible flavors, regular Built Bars. You've got your peanut butter brownie, which is my personal favorite, orange cream, salted caramel. They're coming out with new flavors every single month. So make sure to check out built.com and see what they're cooking up here in the month of April. Again, under 200 calories, less than five net carbs, 17 grams of protein. It's the perfect snack for working out. Or if you're just looking to watch your diet a little bit and you want to have, you know, it's candy bar. This is a really good replacement that tastes very similar. So Go to built.com and use the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's built.com. Use the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order.
You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to continue our position-by-position previews heading into the 2022 NFL Draft in the secondary at safety. Now, you look at the Seahawks depth chart. They re-signed Quandre Diggs to a three-year, $40 million deal. Jamal Adams last August got a record-breaking deal. So you've got your two starting safeties. Ryan Neal's back after having an exclusive rights free agent tender and signing that. They've got Ugo Amadi who can play some safety. So this is a team that has great depth. They've got all pro caliber starters at both safety positions if they play up to their potential in this new scheme. So it would seem like this is a position that wouldn't really be an area of need at all in the draft, but... The Seahawks have surprised people in the past, and it's never a bad thing to have depth. There's some really good safeties in this class that could also be excellent special teams players. And so I think this is maybe the most underrated position group in this class that really isn't getting much pub. There's a lot of depth and a lot of talent at safety. There, there really is. I mean, everybody's focusing on the Notre Dame player, Kyle Hamilton, for good reasons. a really good football player. But at the same time, Daxton Hill, Lewis Seen, I think that they have a very good chance of being first-round selections. And Jalen Petrie and Jaquan Brisker, I would absolutely expect them to be off the board within the, the top 50 to 60 selections uh, overall. So again, we're talking about five safeties that we expect, or at least I expect, to be off the board by the end of the second round. And as you just described, Corbin, Obviously, Seattle has two all-pro caliber players, uh, you know, in, in Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. But the depth behind them is concerning, especially given that all of these players, the Ryan Neals, the Marquise Blairs, the Ugo Amatis, their contracts are up. And if you are going to have the roster rebuild that we've been talking about, let's, let's just be real. You have to get good football players. And especially when you got a guy like, for example, Dax Hill, the number two safety on our list here just a moment ago. I mean, he also projects very, very well to that nickel cornerback position. Not only projects there, that's what he played most of his time at Michigan. And, and so that's the thing is that I think that this safety class is underrated, as you just said. And I also think it's, I also believe that it's much more versatile than people are giving it credit for. I know some scouts out there who believe that Dax Hill's best position in the NFL is going to wind up being nickel corner. Now, maybe the Seahawks feel like that position is set. They brought back just or they brought back Justin Coleman. Obviously, Ugo Amadi has played plenty of snaps there. I remain very, very intrigued by Marquise Blair. Perhaps Seattle's going to get some other cornerbacks who might be able to play that position, but. At the same time, you might be able to invest an early selection in one of these players and then have five years or at least four years of that rookie contract where you have them on a relatively easy salary. So I think that safety is a position that warrants this conversation, even though, again, I would argue that Seattle's top two safeties are as good as any in the NFL. And Ryan Neal's one of the best backups out there. So I'm not going to sit here and say draft one in the first three rounds because I think that that would be a bad investment unless it is somebody that is going to be able to play outside corner for you potentially, or you think, hey, we still can upgrade slot corners. You mentioned if somebody like Dax Hill somehow is available at pick 40 or 41, then maybe the Seahawks consider it because he does have that positional versatility. But what I really like about this class is that there are a number of safeties that could be available in day three 
that could offer special teams value and maybe develop into starter caliber players down the road. You get two or three years from now, who knows? Quandre Diggs will be into his 30s by that point. You might have a guy in your roster that is ready to step in and replace him at that juncture. It's never too early to go add depth, particularly if there are guys that have special team value. And the first one that I'm going to mention here, you mentioned Jalen Petrie from Baylor, and he's considered the elite safety from their team. They've got a number of defensive backs that are in this draft class. But I'm extremely intrigued by JT Woods. We're talking a guy that runs in the 4-3s, low 4-4s range. He's wiry, but really athletic, plays an aggressive brand of football, and he's got really good ball skills. I thought he had a solid week at the Senior Bowl, had an interception in the actual game. And so this is a guy that I actually look at his frame, tall, long, kind of lean, really athletic, and he looks to me like a guy that Pete Carroll would be drooling over as a cornerback convert. And with the 40 time that he ran and all the other uh, athletic traits that he has, you can't tell me that that would not be a guy on early day three. If they haven't picked a corner, if they have, it might not matter. You never have too many good corners in the league. That might be a guy that they look at and say, hey, we can start him out at outside corner, and there's also potential we could maybe move him to slot. And he has a big slot. He could play some safety for us, and he could play some special teams. That's the type of player early on day three that I would start considering drafting a safety. I would not pick one the first three rounds because you have studs like Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. But JT Woods is a guy that has intrigued me throughout this process, and I do see a potential cornerback convert there that would excite the Seahawks. Yeah, exactly. And that's something Seattle has done. I mean, many times in the past. I mean, Trey Flowers being the best example of it here recently, but go back to Byron Maxwell, same kind of thing. You know, of course, the great Richard Sherman was primarily a wide receiver early in his NFL, or excuse me, in his college career. So Seattle has looked for guys. They've looked outside the box. And, and, and I like that you mentioned JT Woods, not only the fact that he, in my opinion, has been a little bit underrated because Petrie, the other safety, quote unquote, other safety has generated so much buzz, but just because of the fact that we are talking about guy who is running in the four threes at, at six foot two. I mean, that's just rare, but there's another one out there. Nick Cross from Maryland, another guy who's six, two, two, 200 and, uh, 212 pounds, who also ran in the four threes, also had slightly shorter arms, a 31 and a half inch arms, but still he has some of those traits as well. Another player that I've been intrigued by for a long time uh, has been Wanye Thomas from Georgia Tech. He is a guy that I got the chance to watch in person uh, in Las Vegas at the East West Shrine Bowl. And he, again, also has that kind of size, 6'1, 212 pounds, ran a four five five and that's one of the reasons why he is going to be available on day three rather than being a first second or third round selection like some of those other players that we just mentioned but still i think the seahawk fans should kind of grow warmer to the idea of the possibility of seattle drafting a safety not necessarily because they view this player as a you know as a challenger to their starters but because you do need depth at the position and seattle needs to continue to play really good football on special teams especially if the offense is not going to be able to protect them and carry them the way that they did previously with russell wilson under hell, uh, under the quarterback or under center excuse me and I want to mention one other guy that has actually met with the Seahawks because now that I've had a chance to watch more of his tape, Percy Butler from Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, another guy that's got decent size, 
ran well. He is a phenomenal gunner. He's one of the better gunners that I've seen watching special teams tape so far. And we know the Seahawks value that from their reserve safeties and corners. They want guys that can really pitch in on special teams. And they've had some darn good gunners over the years. Nico Thorpe being probably the best. Ricardo Laquette could handle that role as well. But this is a guy that I think could come in and learn from Quandre Diggs for a few years that has shown that there's some upside for him in the field. And he's a guy that's got really good speed. I think he can play that deep free safety position, but he's raw. He's going to need some time to develop, but he can contribute for you on day one on special teams being a gunner. And maybe for the first couple of years do that. And then maybe he could play for you down the road on defense. And that's a guy I think you can get late on day three that isn't viewed as one of the better safeties in this class, but has some value and some very obvious upside. Yeah, there's a lot of guys on day three that I'm intrigued by. I mean, Smoke Monday from Auburn, uh, Quentin Lake um, from UCLA. You know, uh, there are some really good, intriguing safeties that just have some type of flaw that is going to wind up pushing them down the draft board. But I, I think that that is one of the things that the Seahawks fans should take some kind of solace in is that there is one position that Seattle has been able to draft incredibly well. It is in the secondary. And there are the players in the defensive backfield, cornerback and safety in this year's draft class that you can fully take advantage of. And considering how many draft picks that Seattle has, perhaps even more, if they wind up making any type of big trade, then I would expect Seattle to take full advantage of this defensive backfield. Yeah, this is a really good position group to add depth value on day three. Again, I would not be drafting one early unless there's a guy they think can be an outside corner convert that has to go in the first couple of rounds. That might be something to watch. But otherwise, I would think day three, that's your hot spot fifth, sixth, seventh round that you might be able to get a safety that can play on special teams now, maybe has some upside to play on defense down the road after they've had some time to develop. But nonetheless, I think very underrated position group in this draft class, good depth and some really versatile players with some corner possibilities as well on special teams. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Make sure to check out the Locked on NFL Draft podcast hosted by Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker. They're bringing the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. You can check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, streaming on YouTube five days a week. Coming up tomorrow on our Thursday episode, it'll be time for our weekly mailbag segment. So make sure to send those questions in. Again, my Twitter account at Corbin Smith NFL. Be looking for a tweet that'll be asking for questions. I'll be answering a bunch of those on tomorrow's episode as we draw within two weeks of the 2022 NFL Draft. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.